Thank you, Martin. Beautiful, 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 Martin. So today, the song was so appropriate because we um, can't get our screens to work because I think we've worn it out. <laughs> so God works in perfect ways. Does he or she not? Absolutely. So it's a day of joy. I want to just um, thank Martin. Katie Bissett was supposed to sing today, and Katie had to have uh, uh, surgery on her throat. And here's Martin, who just did the beautiful concert at the Citadel, and it was incredible, and thank you so much. And he's such a wonderful man to step up. And Mitch called me and said, we got to sing some songs Sunday. And I said, okay, let's go. So here we are. It's all perfect. You just have to surrender to being in service. So thank you so much, Martin, for being here today. I want to thank, uh, we had, did a big women's event here yesterday. It was lovely, and, and, and what that required, because we're, we're attempting to do more rentals with our uh, facility, but it required my wife, Laura, to be here all day, and then we couldn't get the screen to work. So we were here to the wee hours trying to get our screen up, and then I want to thank Wesley Switzer, who showed up this morning to try and help figure it out, because he's a bit of a whiz. So thank you, Wesley. Thank you, Laura. So we circulate gratitude today. So I'm running the slides up here off my little laptop, and that's why I didn't run the slides for the song, because I was singing at the same time, and so the, I know the words didn't line up, so thank you for your understanding and patience. All right, so um, we normally have a slide up right now that says 30 seconds of silence, but uh, we'll do it anyway, without the slide. Let's just do it. So I'm going to invite you to drop into your hearts. Notice uh, the heart is such a beautiful, beautiful organ, and when we activate it, it reaches out. That energy you can feel. Imagine your heart breathing right now. Let me just set you up for the silence. Your heart breathing right now. Feel it expanding. And as it expands, we connect to one another. As we connect to one another, we connect to source. We connect to this, this loving intelligence, this unified field that supports all of us. It is the Father within. It is the Mother, Father, Mother, God within all of us. It is a life force energy. And so as we connect with it, in that center of peace, harmony, balance that lives within all of us. And so should your mind begin to water, wander, be kind and gentle. Just bring it back to your heart if you forget. And if you forget the whole time, it's okay too. As that beautiful poem by Rumi says, you can come back anytime. It's a story of the prodigal son. We're always loved. Beyond measure. So let's bask in that this morning for 30 seconds, then I will offer a, a, a chant that many of you know, so please sing with me in this very room. We won't have the words up on the screen for reasons I just mentioned, but many of you know it. If you don't know it, it's okay. Let it be the soundtrack of this beautiful, sacred moment. So let's begin our silence. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. 
And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So know with me, allowing my words to be your words in this moment, and if they're not a good fit, just lovingly let them wash over you. But I affirm and know that there is one source of all life, this unified field of love, beauty, loving intelligence, that life, that power, that creative urge, that impulse that moves and has its way by means of each and every one of us, for God can only do for us what God can do through us. And so as we move into this invocation today with our hearts open, let us offer the fullness of our hearts to a caravan of people that are heading north with their children, seeking comfort and safety. Let us know that this this drama and chaos around it is quieted in this moment in our hearts. And we share that and offer that to the world and know that right action in God's presence and love and beauty is leading the way. Let us offer the fullness of our hearts to the people that were participating in a sacred worship at a synagogue in Pennsylvania, the lives that were taken, the people that were injured, and the lives that are impacted. Let's offer the fullness of our hearts to those people as well. Wherever suffering is unfolding upon this planet or being experienced in any way, shape, or form, let us be a, grounded in the truth of our being and understanding in love and compassion and understanding that, that we, have, we have come here to be something other than victims and broken and blaming and shaming and angry and frustrated. And we can honor all of that because that is a human experience, but let us know that when we visit those conditions of discord and chaos that we can bring ourselves back to the center of our being. And it is in that groundedness, that center of being, where we connect with divinity, with love. This is our challenge. This is our opportunity. So let us know that our coming together today is an, an act of offering the fullness of, and the best of ourselves, unconditionally and absolutely, to anyone, anywhere, that is seeking to be reminded of the truth of their being and we do that by standing in the truth of our being because we are all one. One planet, one people. Brothers and sisters, for this I give thanks. I release these words. Invite you to say with me. And so it is. Amen. All righty. Even my little magic wand here is not working today. So, <laughs> so I, get to, I get to walk my talk. I think I have the battery in backwards, maybe. When Loris... We were sitting there, Laura said, how come there's a battery on the ground? And I opened it up, there's only one in there. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I think, oh, golly. I don't have a clue. That's a miracle, that really is. I mean, it's just phenomenal that that would happen. I mean, it may not be a miracle to you, but I'll never forget as long as I live. <coughs> yep, okay, well, we're not doing that either. Good. I think this is a good thing. I think there's something happening on the planet right now that we don't even know and can't even imagine. That's a beautiful thing because something is trying to be given birth. That's the reality of it. Something is seeking. Ah, we, that thing doesn't work anyway. Don't worry. 
Probably doesn't work because I've dropped it too many times. Anyway, now we know. So I wanted to talk about making friends with conflict because we're, we live in such a, a time of chaos and conflict. Would you agree? Has anybody noticed that? And what is that about us? Because it's gone on forever. It's not a new idea. It's not a new phenomena. And, you know, there's a, whole, there's a whole big book called the Bible. And in that Bible, it's full of conflict. You know, back in the Old Testament, it was, it was one battle after another. So this is inspired by the book that we've been using with the uh, Q process and the work that we've brought into our community, the mission-centric ministry, which is really about getting out in the world and helping and serving. That's why our spirit groups are so important. That's why our Q process is so important. And the Q process is a way of doing our own self-examination and bringing consciousness and bringing love and bringing awareness to those parts of ourselves that we don't love. Because when we don't integrate them, we can't live in wholeness. And we can't, when we don't live in wholeness, we point fingers and we blame. Have you noticed anybody pointing fingers and blaming? It's a very popular activity. And so I want to talk about why we make friends with, with conflict. And it's, as I said, inspired by Dr. Gary Simmons' book. I hope that's not my phone ringing. What a day. <laughs> if it is, I'm just saying another prayer and you guys can sing for a while and I'm heading home. <laughs> well, how about that? Let's see if I can get a slide to move. Is it, what's that? I'm, I'm hitting that little arrow, buddy. Oh, the other arrow, the other way. There we go. Thank you so much. If one arrow doesn't work, use the other one. So conflict. Conflict is an interference pattern of energies that arise from a field of influences and is evident in every dimension of life. Conflict is, is life. It's what happens. Things are either coming into, uh, uh, coming into experience or going out of, uh, or, or decaying, growing or decaying, or we're evolving. And so those are our questions. Uh, in Dr. Gary's book, he's a martial artist. He has a black belt. He's a fourth-degree black belt, and he uses a lot of that in his um, narrative in the book. And he talks about nine-year-old Scott who said one day as he was in the dojo with everyone, he said, and and Scott was a black belt at this point in time, he said, before I became a black belt, if someone pushed me around, I either ran away or I had to fight because I was afraid. And now that I'm a black belt, if someone wants to fight, I can walk away. So it really speaks to a mindset and an awareness. To have enough sense of self, of who we are and whose we are, that we don't have to fight. You know, that's what, when Jesus said, blessed are the meek. See, the meek referred to horses and horses that were trained, so it was power under control. It wasn't that people would run you over, it was that you stood in who you knew yourself to be. And so there was no doubt. You had no doubt, so others had no doubt. And then you could get on with something more interesting than competing or shaming or blaming. So Gary said, I didn't know how to feel my fears and be connected to my center at the same time. See, that's mastery. It doesn't mean that we don't get scared. It simply means that how can we stay connected to the source of our being? Whatever we call that, whatever tradition it may be, whether it be Jesus of Nazareth, whether it be the Buddha, whether it be Baha'u'llah, whatever the prophet or saint is, or whatever it may be, that the icon or the practice, because they all work. They work because it's done unto us as we believe. So find something that you can believe in and work there. So the distinction between being in a threatening situation and feeling afraid and being in the same situation and feeling confident. And that's a lifetime of practice, is it not? 
The power for you and I is within ourselves, and the power within us is greater than any fear we have. So how do we awaken that? The power of defenselessness. He tells a narrative in here of a, of a Zen master, Menindra, in an ancient Chinese village, and all of a sudden word came out that the, that the Khan was coming, and he was a Mongol, and he had a reputation of just simply destroying villages and killing anyone that got in his way. And so the people of the village left. They went and hid in the hills. And Manindra stayed. And as Khan came in, and he saw him sitting under the, under the tree and, and uh, silently with his eyes closed, he walked up to him and he put, the Khan pulled his sword out and he put it on Manindra's chest. And he said, sir, do you know that I could run you through without blinking an eye? And Manindra opened his eyes and said, sir, do you know that I could let you run me through? without blinking an eye. And in that exchange, the Khan realized what he was, was dealing with, what was before him. He dropped his sword and asked and begged, can I be your disciple? I want to be able to stand in defenselessness. If you look at the, the, the story of Jesus, he, he fought the, the battle with the open fist. He was always, he was, he was so connected to that divine source for the most of the time, as he said, the Father within. And the language he used at the time was appropriate because that was the mindset of people. Very few people read at that time, so it was narrative, it was parable. So the three questions that I want to talk to you about today is what is conflict, why embrace it, and how can we stand in the eye of the storm at this time? Because there's a lot of things happening now that are important that we understand. It's important for us to have understanding so that we don't get... We don't continue to spin in the, the hysteria and the chaos that's unfolding. So as I said a moment ago, conflict is really that, let me go back, I bet you I can go back today too. Conflict is an interference pattern of energies. Something is happening. So there's two things, there's a polarity. The I Chi, which is one of the ancient, most ancient books on the planet, use this symbol to represent that. The yin and the yang, the light and the dark. See, if we don't have the light and the dark, there's no fun in it. There's no, there's, no, there's no adventure. I mean, people would say, well, I mean, why didn't Jesus just land here, the Buddha land here and show up and, and, and heal everything? Well, it's our opportunity to, to evolve. See, conflict is required. It's necessary. And when we understand that, we start to look at it differently. And so the I Ching talks about this extensively. So the first step in making friends of conflict is to, once again, to understand it. And to understand there's nothing without movement. There's nothing without change. Everything is either coming into existence, developing, decaying, or going out of existence. Change and movement are the heartbeat of the universe, the field of creation. Change is never-ending and proceeds according to certain universal observable rules. And that's, that's helpful. So it's not random. All events and relationships have their origins in the interaction of two opposites, yet complementary forces. So in the Tao, it's the, it's the yin and the yang. It's the light and the dark. It's these, these opposing forces. It's matter and energy. It's, it's particle and wave. It's space and time. It's push and pull. It's observer and observed. It's right and wrong, good and bad. We have these things because this is our curriculum to evolve. We were, Laura and I were listening to a, um, uh, a bit of a story yesterday. And right now, so well, I brought it with me. I brought the culprit with me. So in 2011, a phenomenon started. 
And we used to have helicopter parents. Anybody here was in the helicopter parent? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and it's, it's, it, and it's, so, it's so counterintuitive because I was in the helicopter parent club for a while too. And then my kids got too big for me to helicopter anymore and I had to go. But it's gone from helicopter parent to bulldozer parent. So what they're saying now is that the parents are so concerned that their children might be bullied or teased, they go in and they bulldoze everything out of the way. Everything gets out of the way because I don't want my child to ever have their feelings hurt. And so that's a lovely thing, isn't it? Isn't it lovely that we protect, we bubble wrap our kids and they're never harmed. And the problem we're having now is that, so children go through this and all of a sudden they notice in 2011, it's based on some research in a new book called Coddling the Mind of the Youth and the Problems that It Has Created, is it so if you're never in a, a situation where you, are, um, you have to deal with conflict growing up, and so all of a sudden you get into university and you're faced with conflict, and it's very overwhelming because we have not prepared our children to deal with it correctly. So if we bring our kids in and say, look, you're going to meet some people that are going to make, make up stories about you and they're going to point fingers and blame you and shame you and you're probably going to cry and you're going to get upset. You may even get into a fight. I, when I was a kid, my dad used to take us down in the basement, the four, the four boys, and we had boxing gloves. And we got to punch each other in the face as often as we wanted to. And when, at the dinner table, my dad would say, well, next time that kid says something to you, hit him in the Adam's apple. I'm like, I don't want to be hitting some kid in the Adam's apple. So anyway, lo and behold, I'd go to school, and there were two guys that used to pick on me every day, walking down, because I had to take a bus to get to the school that my mother wanted me to go to, along with all my brothers and sisters, and it was a long way from home. And that created all kinds of other things. But these two guys from the public school would walk down the opposite street, and we'd go down this long hill, I had to go and catch the bus. And so finally I just said, I've had enough. And so I said, come on. So we went in an alley, the three of us, and there was a big guy and a guy my size. It was always the, the, the wise guy. And we got into a fight, and it was a long fight, and he was not standing when we got done with the fight, and then his friend came over and just hit me as hard as he could in the back of the head. And I had so much adrenaline, and the agreement was he wouldn't get in the fight. Well, he did because his buddy wasn't doing so well. Anyway, long story short, he never bothered me again. I felt terrible. I felt awful. It was like, I don't want to be in fights. I don't want to be hitting people. But, but this is the tools my dad, that's what my dad knew how to do. He meant want to make sure you were tough. I was like, I don't want to be fighting. And so Gary writes the same story in his book, How Bad We Feel. And so it was just interesting for me to unravel that, but I did not want to be hurting another person. I wanted to hang out and be friends with everybody. And so I had to unravel that. It was, the, it was the, the gift my dad gave me thinking it would help. And so I learned a lot by that. It hurt so much. I, didn't, I, I worked to never do that again. I wanted to have a way of being that wouldn't create that. And I didn't want to have to raise my children that way. You know, I didn't want to have to buy boxing gloves for everybody in the family. And, and you, so when you're in that environment, it's hard to say no because you're counting on mom and dad for survival. But, you know, it's, a, it's an example of conflict and the, and the realizations and the gift in it. And fortunately, no one got seriously hurt. You know, it was, you know, I don't think either one of us could have punched our way out of a paper bag at that point in time. But, but it was so symbolic. And fortunately, it was mostly symbolic. So there's these primary poles of light and dark, good and bad, right and wrong. 
and we need those. So what's happened with our children now, they're saying this phenomenon is that they have gotten so involved. So what's happening in 2011 is these children that have been, had the bulldozer parents go into university, they can't deal with the conflict because they've never had it. They've never had the things that they, they never had to go in the alley with the, you know, I mean, I'm grateful for all that because it's kind of brought me to where I am. Not, I don't recommend it, but I'm just saying it was part of the conflict and journey of my life. And so what they've found with university students now is now boys, it hasn't affected as much because boys' conflict is mostly physical. So in 2011, it's like the, all of these kids that were bulldozed parents are now going to university. The suicide rate for young girls, because girls' tr- stressor is relational. So boys get on and they play the war games and things and they're, and they're, they're learning and, and there's actually, they're finding some value in it even though they could be probably not playing war games, but it's less impactful. With girls, what they do is they go on Facebook, they, they post something, they picture themselves, an idea, and then they sit and they wait for somebody to comment. And so the suicide rate with young girls right now has gone up 70%. 70%. And so in our efforts and altruistic endeavors to not have anyone's feelings hurt, we have not prepared our children to realize that life is going to be conflict. There are going to be people that show up that got issues that that are projecting on you their own unresolved issues, and you're going to take them on because you don't know any better. They're angry and upset. You met them 10, 10 seconds ago, and you're trying to figure out how you contributed to their anger. You didn't. It's not your fault but it's our problem. And if we don't do a better job with this and understand that life has conflict and conflict is there, see what conflict does is it brings us to the edge where we can grow. I mentioned to you I went and did that workshop. Laura and I did the workshop with Joe Dispenza in Toronto. And Dr. Joe's an amazing guy. He's added the neuroscience to the spirituality so he can explain to you at a scientific level how a miracle takes place. How someone like Jesus could go into a village, how people in that event were having instantaneous healings. Because there's a quantum field, there's a, a blueprint that gets established that, that can represent discord. And in the quantum field of love and opportunity and an infinite possibility, it can unravel instantaneously and a new pattern can be established. So that's very scientific and very intellectual. But it's, a, it's, a, it's the heart that gets us there. It's the heart that gets us there. And so... We need to some way, I think, marry an understanding of life's going to have conflict. We're going to have things, and there's things going on. I mean, the, the, the suicide rate and, the, and, the, and the, the shootings that are going on, we've never seen this before. We've never seen this before. And so have our religions failed us? There's something missing. There's something missing. And I don't have all those answers, but I do know that as long as I continue to push conflict away, conflict is such a beautiful, beautiful tool because it's really where um, we have an opportunity to stand at the precipice and make a different choice. How do we bring ourselves back to center when we're in a difficult situation? How can we, when people are screaming and hollering, I mean, you, you know, Jesus' uh, life story was one of that. When Pontius Pilate... Um, confronted him and he said do you declare yourself the king of the Jews and he simply looked him in the eye and said thou sayest thou sayest he didn't say yes or no he knew that Pontius Pilate had already made up his mind it was already projecting on him something that wasn't true so he wasn't going to waste his breath trying to convince him otherwise 
I'm sure he was fearful. I'm sure he was scared the whole time. But he never lost his connection to source. So Gary writes this. So when, when Nicodemus asked Jesus about the kingdom of God, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Puzzled by the saying, and Nicodemus was the, the leader of the Jews. You know, old guy, beard, and he was in charge, and he said to Jesus, you know, obviously you are a m- remarkable man from what you have done. And he wanted to know about that, but he said you have to be born anew. And, and Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? And Jesus replied, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what we've done, what the culture's done, and the race consciousness on the planet is we, we have a baptism ritual, which is a wonderful ritual. I have no problem with it. If it doesn't change our internal nature, it means nothing. It's about a renewal, and water represents that renewal. It's a cleansing. He said, Nicodemus understood the symbols of water and spirit. Water represents cleansing, baptism, and purification. And spirit literally means breath, the life force. A spiritual and water rebirth brings us into relationship with those parts of ourselves that have yet to be integrated into our sense of wholeness and well-being. See, our authentic self is one of wholeness and well-being. And what happens is we have experiences, we have things that go on, we have the conflicts that go on in our lives, and we don't realize it's just conflict. We think it, and we allow it to identify who we are. And so we have, do you know how many people are dying in America daily with opiates right now? 91 people a day. That's close to 35,000 people a year. Why are we wanting to kill ourselves and destroy one another? We don't know who we are. And if you go back and you look at the basics of what all the great masters have said, it's there. But we're so busy, we get so caught up in the, the world of effect. So I have another slide I'm going to share with you right now. Out in the world of effect, I put the yin and the yang out there too. It's the, the dark and the light, the right and the wrong, matter and energy, particle and wave, space and time, push and pull, observer and observed. It's all in the circumference. It's all in the muchness of life. But when we move to the center, when we move to the center, it's where spirit lives. It's where God lives. It's a beautiful thing. It's balance, it's harmony, it's serenity, it's peace, it's wholeness. Spirit, which is the breath of life. Spirit means breath. Coherence. To breathe with. And the abyss is the water. Denote the nature of conflict. The abyss is symbolic of coming to a place, internal, external, of great trepidation. At the abyss, we lack the skills, the confidence, the awareness, or the resources to manage the situation. We stand at the edge where we, face, we are face-to-face with our fears and the unknown. The darkness of the watery pit mirrors our insecurities and deficiencies. The abyss appears intent upon swallowing us up. That's true for all of us. Yet, it is at the very edge of this we discover what we're really made of. Our doubts and our insecurities reveal themselves. Not as a weakness, but as areas of potentiality. It is because we are on journeys that our quests are sometimes perilous. And our willingness to look into the abyss places us at the edge of awakening. It is in the face of danger that we either do or die. And when forced to confront our fears, our only recourse is to step into the abyss to surrender and let go because conflict leads to rebirth and transformation. And that's important for us to understand. 
because I don't want to. I don't want to enable our, our 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 youth. I have granddaughters, and I think about that. How I can be a part and a voice and a, an advocate to help them develop the resiliency, and even with my own children. And and they they're very resilient. Four, four adult children, and they're very resilient, so I'm grateful for that. But there's a lot of people out there that are, that, that are afraid of life, and there's nothing to fear, afraid of themselves, that our feelings are going to get hurt. Our feelings do get hurt, but our feelings are just our feelings. It's not who we are, and we forget. As it says, conflict leads to rebirth and transformation, and that's what I'm after. I think that's what all of us are after. I think that's why so much chaos and change is going right now. It's time for all of us to grow up, to clean up, to grow up, and to wake up to the truth of our being, to that spirit that lives within us, to live more and more. So how do we do that? Let's just take a moment right now. I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes. And so you're in, you feel like you're in the abyss, whatever it may be. I just want you to relax. Once again, drop into your heart because your heart will open that doorway. It's beautiful and lovely let the heart be the pathway when you find yourself strike an agreement with that infinite divine intelligence that lives within you when you find yourself confronted with something that makes your knees shake drop into your heart and realize that your soul has called it into your life for a purpose it is there to be transformed Conflict leads to rebirth. Let us know this for ourselves, for one another, for this planet. That fear will take us nowhere productive. To open ourselves to the love that we are, even at what may seem as the most inappropriate times. The beauty, the joy. What is God's idea of your life? What is longing to be healed here? What we don't transform, we transmit. Let's stop doing that. Let's transform. Let's turn the energy around. Let's transcend. Let's rise above it. And know that there's a love, a joy, and a peace available to all of us. That all of it has come for us. Those beautiful words of Jesus when his last words on the cross. Father, source of all life. Life source of all. And he said, these things I've done, you shall do an even greater. But Father, source of all life, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So he loved. He called the good out in them. He prayed for them, his enemies. This is our opportunity to read the newspaper, the internet, and to, to, it's a call to prayer for all of us. Let's be grounded in the truth of our being when we pray. Let's be grounded in the balance, the harmony, the serenity, the peace, and the wholeness. I know it's not easy, but we can do it. I got your back and you got mine, so God bless you. Thank you so much for making the trip here today. You are beautiful and awesome. I see your wholeness, your strength, your beauty your worth, and it's a joy. Amen, and so it is.